joined by our chief sports writer, Lee Ryder. Lee, another busy week covering Newcastle United. Plenty to talk about with regards to the takeover. But we'll start uh, right now with Steve Bruce's press conference, which was earlier this morning, ahead of the West Ham game up at St James's Park. Um, what were the interesting points that the head coach had to, had to say? Yeah, well, obviously things were a lot more upbeat as compared to some of the press conferences that we've seen throughout this season where they have been a bit fiery and, you know, people have been in the firing line uh, as as things have, you know, got a little bit better. There's no there's no two ways about it this season because of the, the pattern of results. But, uh, the, I mean, the, the, the most interesting point was probably the continued absence of Ryan Fraser. You know, where's he gone? Two games for Scotland where he scores two goals and looks sensational and a player that you would think that Newcastle could do within the team at the minute and he's just nowhere to be seen. He uh, hasn't trained and realistically, you know, this this move hasn't worked out for Ryan Fraser. So that was that was the big team news bit. Obviously, the debate over whether to start Alan Maximan and Callum Wilson is is obviously going to be thriving. I've had a chat with a few people on Twitter about that today. What would you, what would you do? Would you start them or would you bring them on as impact subs that like he did against Burnley? But I think overall, um, Steve Bruce, as I say, in upbeat mood. Uh, the takeover was mentioned, uh, but only in passing, really. And Steve Bruce just paying lip service to it, saying he doesn't know anything about it. He's oblivious to it all, and he's just getting on with the job and, and focusing on on West Ham, but probably the one thing which I know many you've already discussed this morning uh, is the transfers, uh, and it's Steve Bruce is the one who's who started the recruitment plans. So that suggests, as long as Mike Ashley's here, as long as Newcastle are in the Premier League, it will be Steve Bruce uh, in charge of transfers uh, in the summer. Although he did say there isn't going to be much money to spend, and I mean realistically, we we both know that. Free transfers, loan deals, knockdown uh, fees are, are going to be what he's dealing with. So, so that's where that's where we stand this morning. Did you sense a sense of frustration from Steve Bruce, not at Ryan Fraser, but at the situation Ryan Fraser finds himself in, with the fact he hasn't been able to to play many games in it on a consistent 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 basis this season. Yeah, there was a. It's the second time he said it, actually. This this comment that he hasn't really got up to speed. So what is is that? Is that a sort of suggestion that the plan that they've got in place at Newcastle, he hasn't been able to 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 do it? You know, is is that what where he's coming from with that? Um, when he's when he's played Ryan Fraser, he's been up and down. In my opinion, he has had some good games. He certainly talked a good game. He said when he came in, he was, you know, he would have kept Bournemouth up on his on his own last season, that sort of thing. Um, but then you have nights like the Sheffield United game where he got sent off and that was pretty poor. It, it looked like a player that isn't settled. And yeah, the reaction from the bench that night as he walked off was, was there for all to see. So yeah, it's been really, really difficult for him so far. But... I don't know. It's, it just ha- hasn't worked out. And unless he gets fit in the next couple of weeks, there's only going to be a few games left. So it, it seems like they're focused on getting say maximum fit, getting Wilson fit and, and playing them together with Almiron, which was also something hinted at at the press conference today. You mentioned there, Alan St. Maximum and Callum Wilson and how you've you've 
asked fans on Twitter for their reaction. What would you do? Would you start them from the off tomorrow? Well, that's 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 the the big question this weekend for me. I mean, he's he's going to be guided by his medical team, and they will they will give him a, a really good indication of exactly how long they can last on the pitch and what the dangers are. For me, if if there was even any slight doubt that they were, you know, going to be in trouble, then I wouldn't start them. I'd have them on the bench, and I would have them coming on as as the impact subs. And if they can give me half an hour then I'll take the half an hour rather than risk putting them in. And then the last thing we need to see now is, is one of them pulling up and, and coming off clutching the hamstring or the groin or whatever. And, you, you know, with the six or seven games left, you do not want that situation, uh, given both players have already suffered enough this season. The sensible thing may well be just to start with them on the bench and see where they go. Got tell Magpie Ross he asking, do you do you agree the only way tomorrow is to have an attacking formation? Would that be your approach against West Ham? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, for me, my personal preference would always be to, to go for the jugular, and you know, it's a lot easier defending a, a lead when you're two or three nil up, and you know, Newcastle seem to it's almost like a game of chess sometimes waiting to suss the opposition out. And it's it's dangerous. Look at the Burnley game. They went 1-0 down. If it wasn't for Dubravka, that game would have been finished uh, before half-time. It you know, could have been 2 or 3-0. And that would have been a total disaster. So, yeah, I mean, attack is always the best form of defence, isn't it? So let's let's hope that... we, we Let's see this balanced performance that we, we've been told about in, in recent weeks. Hmm. I mean, West Ham in the previous few games they've had have started really quickly. You know, they scored two goals within 40 minutes against Leicester. I think they were 3-0 up the previous game. So they do tend to start games really quickly. And you mentioned there the Burnley start for Newcastle. Do you fear that if Newcastle start in the same manner, it was lacklustre, they had to rely, like you see, on Martin Dubravka to keep the scores at 1-0. If they start in the same manner, West Ham, you know, could, could uh, have a field day. Well, it could, but I mean, my observations of West Ham are that they are, and I know they've, they've picked up a draw and two wins in the last two games, but I think that the nerve is starting to get to them. I do. I think the nerve's starting to fail them a little bit. Uh, the Arsenal game, when they were 3 0 up and chucked it away, and then they squeezed through, they went 3 0 up at Wolves and then they got pegged back and almost dropped points that night. The Leicester game was another example of that. It, it just reminds me a little bit of the 95-96 season with Newcastle when the nerves started to, to go within the dressing room. And I, and I do think there will be a lot of players in that West Ham dressing room who aren't used to being at this at, in this position at this stage of the season. So it's it's really the acid test for them in the next couple of weeks. Can they keep it up? I think they can jump up to uh, third spot if they win this weekend. So... That's a big incentive for them. But I do think they are looking at very nervous. And I think if the, there was West Ham fans in the stadium, I think it would be a, a pressure cooker atmosphere at the minute. So, yeah, I think West Ham are, are looking nervous. They're looking wobbly. And Newcastle have got to take a massive, full advantage of that and try and you know get the win at the weekend. Daniel Cooper asks, should we, should we be worried about West Brom's late push? Obviously, they've... Won the last two games, scored quite a few goals. They are currently 
eight points, uh, or the six points, eight points behind Newcastle. So should we be worried, Lee? No, in short, no, because yeah, they've done fantastic West Brom in the last week. By the way, that point is looking even better that we got uh, a few weeks ago down there now, but that's another matter. Uh, I, I, look, I think they've done brilliant West Brom, but I think they've given themselves too much to do uh, in a short space of time. They would need title winning form now in the last seven games uh, to, to stay up. So for me, not really. I'm not too worried about them, I think. Eight points is a massive gap at this stage of the season. You know, you you've got to lose three, they've got to win three, just to even get sort of in and around it again. So, no, I think Newcastle will not be overtaken by West Brom. The fact they took four points from six against West Brom has, has been a massive, massive uh, factor in all this. You say uh, there was kind of hints from Steve Bruce that he's planning for next season. Do you think? He's under the impression that Newcastle are, are pretty much safe and it maybe is just, I don't know, another win and a draw would secure it? Well, if you, if you go back to what he said around this stage of the season last year, in terms of games played, because obviously the pandemic messed everything up, so we weren't even playing games at this point last year. But if you go back to sort of 31, 32 game mark, um, he said that he thought 35 points, no one would catch them on that. So maybe that's in his head again. If Newcastle win against West Ham, they'd be on 35 points. And if Fulham lose, then you would say, again, it's a mountain to climb for them. So, yeah, I personally think, you know, he's he does think they're very near to being safe. And after that, it'll be how many points can they pick up or accumulate as he keeps telling us and yeah realistically I think if they can get anywhere near what they got last season which was 44 points then given what we've been through this season that is not a bad a bad situation it's not great I'm not I'm not picking it up too much but I think that would be a very uh, reasonable situation given where we were that night after Brighton because that was that was horrendous. So let's remember where we've come from in a short space of time. Uh, Paul Oxley asking, do you think a point would be a good result tomorrow? He had Newcastle down for four points against Burnley and West Ham. Yeah, it wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the worst uh, result around. Uh, it would be another point on the board. I'm sure Steve Bruce would take it if he offered him beforehand. But realistically. Let's get this thing sealed off and let's get a win. That, that that's that's where my mentality is at the minute. Brilliant stuff. Well, if you guys head over to our podcast channel, you can see the or you can hear rather the match day preview with Tom Clark from Football London and I've ever own John Gibson. Stick with us here though. We're going to talk about the busy week off the field and we'll go in order of the stories. Lee, we'll start with the club shop and what's happening there. It's closing down. Can you just explain to our viewers and listeners your understanding of, of ongoings there? Yeah, I think there's a bit of confusion around with that one. We're, we are told that the staff got a letter which said that new owners didn't want the shop. So that's where the store, that's where the sort of takeover element of it comes from. Now, whether the communication is hasn't been Put through properly we don't know but people at the club are saying 
it's nothing to do with the takeover. It's the fact that the shop is getting taken over by the new kit sponsors who, who are going to be coming in and that there's going to be an announcement on, on that soon. And they're going to be looking after the shop. The shop are actually, it's called a club shop, but it's not the club's shop, if you like, because it's Sports Direct and Fraser's group have been running that job. So what I'm told is the staff have been put on redundancy sort of notice, but at the moment they don't know if they're going to have a job uh, in the new setup. So they could they could end up just getting sort of transferred to the new kid sponsors and, and working for, for them. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens on that. But um, that's where we are with it. It is a... It is a deal that the the current regime have negotiated. It's got nothing to do with the, the you know would be owners. So yeah, it's while we all would love a rumor uh, that you know there's a big big signifier that this takeover is in the in the pipeline. Um, sadly, this this isn't it, and it's just a letter which sounds like it, it hasn't been put together too too well, and there's a bit of a lack of communication between club and sports direct then on wednesday there was the story that i broke on the fois from the department for culture media and sport for those who haven't seen it basically uh, a chain of emails between april and june between the dcms and the premier league and on the 21st of june the premier league confirm a decision on the newcastle united takeover is possible on june the 22nd and this follows weeks of emails by the DSC- dcms were stating sources who believe a decision was imminent. Nothing came of it, Lee. Um, you know, but the DCMS had organised high-level meetings um, to deal with whatever the outcome was. These were very, you know, the people in these meetings were going to be uh, at least deputy director level. So that shows you the um, the level of government that is dealing with this decision. And um, from my point of view, it kind of shows you how wide weight range in this deal would be. And in a way, the consortium's confidence has been vindicated in a way, not in terms of getting the deal through, but, you know, in terms of a decision coming, you know, they, they did think a decision was, was coming in those weeks and days. Um, what did you make of it? Well, if anything, it just backs up what was what was written all throughout last year. And while we were writing stories, breaking stories, saying that, you know, this takeover was was all in place and, and waiting to happen. There was a lot of people doubting it, saying, oh, it's the takeover, it's try and renew season tickets, this, that and the other. And really, all, all, all it does is back up what, what has already been said. And for Mike Ashley, he wants to sell the club. Uh, I wrote, I think, a couple of weeks ago. His, his personal take on it is that Newcastle fans have won the lottery, but they're not seeing the payout. You know, there you have it. It's now down to whether this will be pushed through or not. And what you have to worry about a little bit there is that the Premier League weren't keen on this for some reason. The government have tried to intervene from what we're reading in national newspapers. And realistically now, it's down to whether the Premier League will push this through. The one thing that does sort of not worry me, but I just think that if this... The, the Premier League get told they should have put it through. Do they then turn around and bring the piracy argument back into it? That's the and and put a big bill down on the table for the incoming owners to 
to deal with and that's where it could get messy. So I think the Premier League stood back from this in, in recent weeks because Newcastle obviously were in relegation trouble. Now that doesn't look to be the case. It means that they're going to have to deal with it at some point, not the AFL. I think they were possibly hoping that Newcastle did. I wouldn't say hoping they'd get relegated, but hoping that it wasn't their problem anymore. And the AFL would have to make that decision. So we'll have to wait and see uh, where they go with it. We've tried to speak the Premier League in this week. Um, no comment as as per normal. So it's it's one that just continues to rumble on. There was a line in those emails that the Premier League said there were new territory with this deal. Does that, to you, suggest that... Well, I interpret that as maybe them admitting that their owners and directors test isn't really fit for purpose because how can you be in new territory? You know, it's just it's just really... A, it's, it's The test is there to put through a takeover, you know, yes or no. So I'm just wondering what you make of that, you know, them being in new territory with this deal. Well, I think it's there's been stories sort of already that this test needs to be changed a little bit and it needs to be tweaked and that's something that this whole situation might might end up you know bringing about so for Newcastle fans it's no consolation though because it's it just drags on and on and on and you know I've had a lot of tweets from people saying they're sick of it they're bored of it and you know, they're not happy with all these takeover stories, but it it simply can't be ignored. It's not, you know, it's not just the local press. You know, it's front page, front page national news at the moment. So, you know, it can't be ignored. It's a, it's a big story and, you know, one that uh, we, we'd all dearly love some kind of conclusion to because just being left dangling which I think was one of the things that sort of was mentioned this week and uh, yeah you you hope Newcastle can get uh, get it sorted and then we can move on to to bigger and better What did you make of the the story on the, the Crown Prince and the, the accusation of lobbying Boris Johnson and you know him him getting one of his uh, his ministers to, to to look into it what did you make of that story? Well, it's it's quite messy, really, because obviously separation is is what sparked this whole problem. Uh, the the Premier League were worried that it was a state-led takeover when the bidding side were arguing it was a PIF-led situation. So that, for me, is one where we just have to wait and see how it, it pans out, really, and Ultimately, you've got to look at other... Again, I think I spoke to you about this earlier in the week. You've got to look at other takeovers at other clubs and compare and contrast. And if Newcastle can hopefully get this one through, then the, the big final outcome, what if it's worth being patient about, is that big, big boost for the football club would, would put them right up there with you know the, the top six again. But not just that, big boost for the region where it's money coming in from the Middle East. There's already, you know, uh, tourism with back and forwards with the Middle East and Newcastle Airport with with, with 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 Emirates. Now, this would be something completely different. We've seen 
tourism advert on Sky Sports yeah, in between Premier League games about tourism in, in Saudi Arabia. So it, it could be just a one big game changer for the Premier League, for Newcastle United and the rivals, which obviously um, there's been a lot of debate about the top six being against it because it would it would ultimately be uh, it cost them dear potentially. Hmm. Certainly be interesting to know the the de- definite line of the arbitration and what is actually trying to be proved or argued. Because I think, you know, you mentioned the separation issue there and I do look at it and think when you look at all the facts, it is a little bit, in my opinion, difficult to prove that they are totally separate. You know, the crown prince is at the top of the pyramid chain on PIF's website. So it'd be interesting to know how that plays into to the whole arbitration battle. And I'm sure we'll find out in the coming weeks and months. You mentioned Ellie, uh, the Premier League. I tried to get in touch with them. You did yesterday as well. No comments, as we always tend to expect from the Premier League. How frustrated does does that make you? Because you know we're going to the Premier League with you know you know stories from contact sources, what have you, and they're just coming back with the same answer: no comments. You know we won't comment. Surely they owe, um, and I know there'll be confidentiality with the arbitration, what have you. But the you know they do owe the fans an explanation. Well, they do, and it's it's one of them where I think the my my take on it is that the Premier League may look at the the local media as sort of at the bottom of the food chain, and that the the huge audience we have doesn't doesn't seem to matter, and it's only when uh, Richard Masters sort of gets his shirt and tie on and sits down in front of the the bigger corporations that you know we all we all have to stand up and pay attention, and you know where. We, we just continually are getting no comment, but we've got to still keep asking the questions. That's the that's part of our job. We have to keep putting things to them, and uh, hopefully, you know, they can um, they can see a bit of you know reason because at the end of the day, it's a huge fan base for Newcastle United, and it's within the interest of all the other Premier League clubs as well. So, I mean, the one thing that they they will probably you know put in front of us at the minute is that. It's, this arbitration thing is is ongoing. So until that gets resolved, then they probably will feel they can't say anything too deeply. Hmm. I would just like a conclusion now. Either way, I mean, of course, we'd all love Newcastle to be taken over by ambitious owners with pockets full of money and, and turning Newcastle into a Premier League you know, winner, champion. But I think ourselves as journalist fans, we've all been through it the past year and it's, it, it's not good for anybody to to keep going through it and you can kind of understand some of the comments, you know, and I would just like a conclusion either way. Now, just let's get it sorted and we can move on one way or the other. I don't know how, how you're feeling. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's one where the, the current state of Newcastle United is, and, and this is part of the frustration, I think with, with Steve Bruce uh, and, he thinks that he's doing a reasonable job to keep Newcastle afloat in the Premier League. That was his that was his brief. And the historic sort of thing that keeps getting chucked back at him is that Newcastle have got more potential than being a team that stays against relegation. But in terms of, you know, resources and, you know, the money that's realistically been put in, and yeah, they have spent a few quid on transfers, there's no doubt about that. But I think he thinks that Newcastle are competing with teams like Burnley, Crystal Palace, uh, you know, West Brom at the bottom there, um, you know, 
Fulham to an extent. He thinks that Newcastle are in a bit of a sort of mini league in terms of just staving off survival and and the the whole history thing comes into it. And you know, Newcastle fans know that the potential of the club is greater. So that in some ways that's not one hundred percent his fault. He's got to take some responsibility as manager of the team. But ultimately it's about how much money is is put in from the top. Then you've got Mike Ashley's side of the argument where he'll say, well, hold on, I broke your transfer record. I gave you 40 million for Joe Linton. We signed Callum Wilson last summer. We've signed St. Maximin. And I've, I've put money in there and it's not up to me to, to go and get the results. So it's uh, there's more questions than answers in, in some ways. Yeah, I think that's been kind of the... The underlying uh, conclusion of this week is that all this stuff has come out, but we've still got more questions than we have answers. Penultimate question there from Callum McGill and Lee. Just wants to ask you, do you reckon nothing will get decided until Newcastle are safe? Well, I, to be totally honest, I got I got told by somebody close to the deal that this they were anticipating nothing to get sort of done and dusted until the end of the season at the very earliest, possibly going into summer and did the application to get the chairman of the panel for arbitration removed, has that cost Newcastle vital weeks and months? Has it put it back a little bit? Um, that That is a big possibility. Steve Bruce is already talking about being in charge at the start of next season, so that's July time we're talking. So yeah, it's. Um, I don't think it. I don't think it hinges on Newcastle being safe. I think it's a time thing, and you know Newcastle will have to just go through the process. You can't. It's not a touch of the button thing, unfortunately. You know the world we're living in now, where you, people think you can do everything at the touch of a button on your phone, can't be done. It's got to go through the the rigors of the courtroom, and uh, people have got to put their arguments forward. And then obviously the COVID thing has held it, you know, the, the whole restrictions, that's held everything up. So it's uh, it's extremely difficult and one where it, it, we just have to wait. That's all we can do, wait and hope. Yeah, that is what we've been doing lately. Says it's probably what we're going to have to do for the next couple of months at the very least. Um, just before I get your score prediction, then Lee, I just want your word on the the eighteen ninety two pledge from Newcastle United Supporters Trust. Uh, well over fifty thousand pledge so far for you guys who haven't heard about it or you know haven't read about it. It's the uh, Newcastle United Supporters Trust have launched a, a scheme in which fans are asked to pledge what they can afford every month in the hope that one day they can buy a part of Newcastle United. Like we say, well over fifty thousand pounds launched uh, raised. It's just over a week old. Great start. Uh, just your take on it, Lee. Yeah, it's one of them where it's we, we've been here before with it. I think they tried something in 2009. I think it was Mark Jensen and Steve Hasty were uh, the guys that were spearheading it back then. And uh, yeah, it was it, it sort of petered away a little bit. So um, but the, from what we can see so far, it looks like a really good start. Good luck to everyone involved. Hope they uh, can eventually get some um, some space in the boardroom. We've had supporters panels before where you know they've been invited in, and but we haven't had that for for a while. So we we'll have to wait and see. 
look, it's it's a bigger thing. It's a long term project. This one, it's it's something that you know isn't just about getting into board meetings. It's something that I'm sure the guys have, have, have gave all the questions and answers on it. So there's not really much more I can add to it apart from you know good luck and you know 50 grand in the pocket already. Fantastic. Uh, hopefully. You can build on that. And it, the good thing is that what the standout thing for it for me is that it shows that people still deeply care about this club and that in the event that you do follow Sunderland down the leagues, which hopefully isn't going to happen, that there will be some money there from a fan group who've got the club at heart to come in. I hope it doesn't go to that. But, you know, it's... it's uh, it's been a whirlwind start for them, and hopefully they can uh, continue to, to to gain more more pledges. Fingers crossed. You can find their official launch event on our YouTube channel and our podcast channel. Just search the 1892 pledge, and you can hear all the questions and answers put to the likes of Alex Hurst, who's leading it, Warren Barton, George Colkin, who are the, the, uh, the guardians who will look after the money. Really good chat there, and gives you a bit of insight into what they're trying to do. Um, just finally, then, Lee, your score prediction for Saturday? Well, <laughs> we've been doing a lot of uh, predictions for draws in recent weeks. And to be fair, I haven't been far away. Um, you know, But hopefully, I, I, I've got a good feeling about this game. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But uh, as I say, I, th- I do think West Ham are wobbling a little bit. And I think this is a big test for them coming up here. I think the realization of the situation they're in uh, will will be there for all to see from a West Ham point of view when they when they're driving up to to such a you know huge ground. Although it's going to be empty, uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a real test for them. And uh, yeah, I think Newcastle can can really benefit from their nerves, and I think they're going to get a good result. I think they're going to win. What the score will be. Is you know, if you look at West Ham's last few games, they've been five and six goal thrillers. Are we going to see something a little bit like the Southampton game when Newcastle win by the old game of five? I don't know. I'll 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 try and uh, keep it real and say that uh, Newcastle get two one win, which I'm sure would uh, be a great result for everybody. It would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Three points against a high-flying West Ham side. Well, Lee will be at St James Park tomorrow. Kickoff is an early one. It's a 12, 12.30. So we'll into one. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a lunchtime kickoff. So obviously our coverage will be we'll be up there from um, you know just after breakfast time, and hopefully uh, Newcastle can can deliver and uh, let's put this whole thing to bed. Let's get safe and then start. You know building up towards the points tally that uh, could could get somewhere near what they got last season. As I say, not brilliant, but it's better than where we were after the Brighton game, let's be totally honest. Better than relegation, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you can head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where you can catch up with all Lee's stuff from today's press conference and everything else takeover related. And as Lee says, our coverage will start bright and early tomorrow morning through our live blog. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your Friday. <laughs>